0: Thank you so much. My name is Julene Jackson. I'm with Moms for America and I was going to say Kimberly Fletcher. She's the president of our organization, but Vivian Vivian Brown in um, San Antonio, Texas is also with us today. She does all the behind the scenes work. She's our manager over mom links and cottage meetings. We are so glad that you joined us for this final lesson, raising a generation of patriots, raising a new generation as a patriot. Well, we did it. (laughs) Not that we've raised our children, we can never say we've done it till we're six feet under with our children, but we have gotten through (laughs) these 12 lessons. And... uh, and I'm so glad, hopefully, that you have had the chance by now to have this green manual. And, and you've been using this kind of as a, go, a roadmap uh, as you come to the classes, our little cottage meetings online, and the stories, there's great stories. I hope you've been able to share some of these miracles and stories of America. Because when mama knows and understands these stories, when she understands principles and constitutional rights, she will teach them within the four walls of her home and to the people that she loves and you will be able to teach with greater conviction and with wisdom teaching these facts and these stories and your children will know it they will feel it and you know they might not immediately jump up and go hurrah oh yes mom's going to teach us another story about america but i promise you it will bear fruit and we're going to talk a little bit about that today now in um So so just so you know, we're going to do something a little bit different after our last last, uh, cottage meeting, live cottage meeting today. We are going to wait a few weeks, and then we're starting February 16th. We are going to teach these 12 lessons again. But instead of me teaching them, we're going to ask, and Vivian has already asked, and we will ask for volunteers, to have the moms around America who are currently teaching cottage meetings to teach one of these lessons so ideally we'll have 12 different moms teach them so you will see how different moms in different areas teach these subjects sometimes when you just have one teacher you think oh I I couldn't do a cottage meeting because I'm not like Julene I don't have her experiences I don't have her kids I don't have her (laughs) you know I don't have her knowledge whatever you're thinking so I want you to I want you to I want that notion to be dispelled, and so we're going to have different moms from around the country teach, and you will learn learn how how they viewed it, or what their style is. And so there's no one set way of teaching these lessons, and uh, hopefully it'll boost your courage. You know, the hardest thing about starting a cottage meeting in your community in your neighborhood, I really think is just crafting that little email or text or Facebook post and coming up with a date and a time and hitting send and sending it to, uh, you know, a group of friends in your community, in your school, in your church, in your neighborhood. It's almost like once that ring Uh, gets on that finger, you're probably going to get married, you know, once that man proposes and you accept this thing is going to happen. So the hardest thing is crafting that email and sending it off and your mind will just start to begin to make that cottage meeting a reality. And so um, and then after so that'll be 12 weeks. And then I believe what we will do and that will go until uh, the beginning of May. So we will start our new round of 12 lessons starting February 16th. And we're going to change the time also. And Vivian is, will put out all this information. I believe it'll be uh, 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, 2 uh, p.m. Um, East Coast time. So we're, we're uh, cutting our uh, uh, West Coast Mamas some slack because they have to right now have to get up at 8 a.m. to be a part of our cottage meetings and so, and then when those classes are done, I believe starting in mid, mid May, I will teach a 10 week class on the 5,000 year lead those 28 principles that changed the world. And so um, anyway, so that's a little little ways down the road, but that's, uh, that is what is on tap for our live virtual cottage meetings. So in our last presentation, um, Viv, let's, let's get our slides going here. Uh, let's, let's show that Thomas Paine quote. We ended the last presentation on self-reliance last week with that stirring um, uh, Thomas Paine's revolutionary words in 1776 and that pamphlet from Common Sense where he says, these are the times that try men's souls. Let's not shrink in this crisis, but stand in the service of family and country Because we know the harder the conflict, the more glorious the triumph. I'm paraphrasing this a little bit. Mamas, we are in a fight for our families and our freedom and our God and our country. Thomas Paine would go on to warn us in this quote here, that which we obtain too cheap, we esteem too lightly. Okay, Viv. So, you know, when I, when I read that statement, it makes me think of this younger generation who's not really known anything but abundance. And we're seeing the young people of this country not value and love America because they haven't really had to be a part of obtaining it and fighting for that freedom. Or, or perhaps they didn't have parents or grandparents instilling in them the principles that made this truly the land of the free and the home of the brave. They didn't grow up hearing stories about those that gave their lives or fought for our freedom. And because of this, we're seeing the arrows of unrest and fear and apathy and ingratitude and even anger from the young people penetrating on into our homes. Maybe some of our kids are coming home with some of these attitudes, and we're certainly feeling it in the schools and the communities and in, even infiltrating you know, this idea of being woke in the, in the churches as these there's a sense of entitlement and, and disillusionment going on with the, the, the younger generation. So VIM, let's see that next slide. Mothers and grandmothers of America are waking up and we're seeing this as they're attending school board meetings. And we just had a rally, the Moms from America had a rally in Michigan, oh, so cold uh, yesterday uh, against what is being taught in the school systems. So mamas are meeting together in these cottage meetings and they're activating and we're learning how to stay anchored in hope. Viv, let's see the next slide. So over the course of the last 11 weeks, our very first lesson, there's a little cottage meeting. I believe that's in Utah. Um, and And this group meets every Wednesday from 9.30 to 11.30. Every week they've decided, and they've done this for now, eight, nine years. And oh, wow, these women have gone on to do some amazing things in their community and schools. Viv, let's see the next slide. So over the course of the last 12 weeks, mamas, we've learned how to stay anchored in hope. We've learned that there's no place like home to teach these principles to our children, and that mamas are to lead out for, so goes the woman, so goes the nation. We've discovered and learned how to teach what the three pillars of liberty are, the the foundation of faith, the valor of virtue, the power of patriotism, and how to teach these attributes, uh, principles to our children. We've um, had a lesson on the importance of teaching stories to our children because stories teach our kids what courage looks like, what faith looks like, what patriotism looks like. So stories are important to know. Uh, We've learned how we can teach a love of liberty through the arts, through poetry, through music, through literature. We have um, discussed the importance of the dinner hour, eating together, and better time management of our home. We've talked about teaching your children uh, how to to, um, understand the the principles, the basics of the Constitution, the wheat and the chaff. And then last week, we talked about the law of harvest, the value of work and breaking free of government dependency. Now, if you've missed any of these lessons, they're all recorded, they're all online, all the resources I recommend are right under each lesson. Now, as you look at this, uh, all that we've learned, you might feel a little uh, overwhelmed or maybe even a little exhausted. Wow, that's a lot of stuff I learned and I'm expected to teach all that in order to uh, raise up this next generation as patriots. But, you know, um, but let's see the next slide. We're women of faith and God is a God of promises. He's a covenant making and keeping God. And we don't ever need to wonder if he has our back. You know, we can we can bank on his promises. And this is the promise that if we will humble ourselves and keep praying on the behalf of our families, our freedom, this country, as we seek his face and we turn from our wicked ways. And those wicked ways just might be apathetic or lazy or I'm getting too, I'm too busy. I don't have time to, you know, uh, shore up my country or teach my children. If we will turn from this kind of thought, he will hear us. He will forgive maybe our lack, maybe, you know, we haven't quite taught or the kids, some of the things we should have or been as involved in the community as we should have He will forgive us. He's such a merciful God and he will heal our land. I love that promise. I take that promise very seriously, girls. I hope that you do too. And that instills you with hope and confidence that confidence that we're going to be okay. So we don't have to be perfect. We don't have to be sinless in order for God to succor his children. We don't have to be constitutional scholars or historians We just have to have a heart for God. We have to have a heart for the principles that made America great and a desire to want to perpetuate these ideals in this next generation. And so, you know, look, God, he he will accept any of our offerings, regardless of the size. It's just changes we make within our home or or things that we will do out in the community at the state level and even at the national level. He just wants us to do something, to seek his face and to ask him and 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 to recommit, you know, to to doing something. And uh, I I promise you, opportunities will arise. Remember, I've said this so often when you say, Lord, here am I, send me, these opportunities will come. Then let's have the next slide. Thomas Jefferson at the very top of lesson 12 says, the boys and the girls of the rising generation are to be the men and the women of the next and the sole guardians of the principles that we deliver over to them. Mm -hmm. Mamas, you will be the best teacher your children will ever have. You are the most qualified to teach and to deliver to them the very things that they will need to know to be a part of the solution to be the guardians of these inspired principles that have come before. Viv, let's see that next slide. So this is a picture, I just found this the other day. It's my little mama, she just turned 50. Now I just turned 53 and I think of myself as young. I hope mom thought she was young but she had divorced my father at this point. I come from a family of nine siblings. Four of the kids were married and grandkids and and us remaining five children were at home now she was by the world standards just a humble ordinary woman but she taught us she taught us to love god she taught us to serve one more yeah, let's move on to yeah. So at 50, when my parents divorced, I believe I was 16, I was in the purple there, and my brother 18. And then we had a 12-year-old brother, and then she had twins at 40. So the twins were 10 years old. Now mama had to go back to work at 50. She didn't know how to drive, she had to learn how to drive. She didn't even write checks or know how to balance a checkbook. So there was a lot of things that she had to learn. And I imagine how uh fearful she was for a time but you know we wouldn't almost have even known it because she would gather us together uh every morning and at night and there she would read a scripture and we would sing a song and then we would kneel down and she would pray we would we take turns praying and, and oftentimes she would bear a little witness of what that scripture would have to say. And, and sometimes as we got to be teenagers, we wouldn't join her. We were too busy. I'm, I can't, I'm, I'm getting ready to go on a date. I'm going to a movie. And I would see her in that front living room from the bathroom, opening her scripture and reading with no one there because she just wouldn't do it with whoever was in the home. And if some of us, you know, didn't feel like we needed that at the moment. We didn't have time for it, but that powerful impression of my mother just going ahead and and reading her scripture and singing a little song and praying by herself made an impact that she probably d- didn't even know. Maybe she knows now, because my mom died when I was 24 years old of cancer. So she would divorce my father at 50 and she would die at 59. But it was such a natural thing for me when I began to have my children to do what I had seen my mother do for 20 years. This single mama of five children at home to to uh, read scripture with my children to sing and to pray with them and then as I began to attend cottage meetings 13 years ago and to learn these principles of liberty and these stories I began to weave them into the devotional that I saw my mama teach. I began to teach and then I began to teach them principles of liberty. Let's see that next slide. So over the course of my children's life, they've just known, you know, little teachings and little Bible reading, little stories of America. And then I've just taken them to the the things that I've done out in the community. And, and dad has been right by our side. At first dad thought I was a, a right wing uh, political radical nut. But then as he began to listen to these stories and the things I was teaching in our devotional, his heart was pricked. And he would go on to serve you know, in political positions and to teach. And he and I teach that Thursday uh, evening class on the constitution, the healing of America. And we'll talk about that at the end of class today. Viv, let's see the next slide. So as I taught my children, as we tried to teach our children and take them to historical sites, and always had them take pictures of founding fathers, instead of going to Disneyland, we mainly <laughs> would do, you know, historical sites, and we made it fun. There's the White House behind some of the kids. And then some of my older kids, there's my one boy, you know, you've heard me talk about him. Uh, He's in the NBA and he, uh, in his own kind of unique way, stands for America and for freedom as he's the only one that usually has his hand over his heart before every uh, game. And then my oldest little girl, she has a real heart for service. And she served a church mission in Iquitos, Peru for 18 months, the little... Oh boy, now the poverty like she'd never seen before, and she taught how the gospel of Jesus Christ can elevate and infuse people with hope, and uh, and so that little child has gone on to do some remarkable things. Now, as she has a job that takes her to Africa every couple of months, and so, anyways, as I show you some of these pictures, the fruits of these teachings in our home uh, have borne some good fruit. And um, I wish I could tell you, give you some examples of what some of the things are doing out the kids are doing as far as standing up for freedom right now. My little 21 year old daughter, my little 21 year old daughter uh, just started college again yesterday and um, she loves freedom and she's, she's a pretty, she's a pretty gal and um, she, she won't wear masks. And it's it's not because she's trying to show off the, you know, the color of her lipstick. She just does not want to be told, you know, that she needs to do something that she feels is not right. And so I, I went to church with her on Sunday because she was, she's been here for a few weeks and now she's she went back home uh, to school. And she went into church and everyone in DC, there's a mask mandates and everyone at church wears masks and it and she didn't wear a mask. And uh, I just love her courage. to to go against the norm, if she feels that a a principle of freedom is being violated. And um, the 18 year old boy told me yesterday, he's a senior in high school. He said, mom, they gave everyone COVID tests today at school. And he said, I didn't take it because I don't need the school to tell me that I'm sick. I know when I'm sick. And when I'm sick, I stay home until I feel better. And so I just like, I like how these kids are just kind of coming to it on their own as you teach in these principles of choice and freedom and liberty. Many parents, okay, Viv, let's see the next slide. In the last few years, uh, because of COVID, have, their children have had to rely on virtual instruction. And I know some major cities are going back to virtual school schooling right now. And so an unprecedented uh, number of parents have been able to see the weaknesses and the biases of the curriculum of these kids as they've they've witnessed their kids doing school at home. And so we're seeing an unprecedented number of families pulling their kids out of the local school systems now. Uh, we at moms for america have an incredible amount of resources and videos and games and books and stories on our momsforamerica.us a website to help augment you if you're thinking you need to shore up your kids you need to shore them up from you know maybe the curriculum that the things that they're being taught is not sufficient or if you're thinking of pulling your kids out and and starting homeschooling or starting a co-op school or learning pods we have a wonderful um, uh, program called Moms Force. Uh, Tamara Fair is our executive director for Moms for America. If you go on our website and pull up Moms Force, uh, um, we have uh, different curriculums if you're thinking of homeschooling or, uh, or augmenting your children. So whether whether your children or grandchildren participate in public school or private school or some sort of variation of a homeschool, we hope today and and over the course of the last 11 weeks, that your confidence in being able to educate has been boosted and and helping your children to love America and to be able to better know and defend these principles. So, you know, God has told us that, let's see the next slide. We are under obligation to teach our children. Oh, and there's our website, momsforamerica.us. Let's see the next slide. God has told us in Psalm 78, one through eight, that we are to teach God's law to our children, to give ear to the law. And I believe, I believe that's the law of the land too, because God loves freedom. He needs maximum freedom. He, he needs, I, I really do believe God is very interested in government because that determines the type of freedom people have. And A free people are able to worship God freely. When people do not have freedom, they cannot worship God according to the dictates of their own conscience. And we've seen that through most of the history of the world. People haven't been free to worship God. So God is in the government. So he wants us to teach our children the law, to utter these sayings of old, these principles of old don't hide, don't neglect these things he's saying, make known these laws of Israel to our children. And then of course, in Proverbs, and there's so many scriptures that say to teach your children morning and night when they lay down when they get up. Proverbs 22 tells us and reminds us that as we do these things, as we train up a child in the way that he should go when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now that is the promise, mamas and grandmothers. And sometimes, you know, we We teach our children certain things and then they do things that you think, wait a minute, I didn't teach them to espouse those ideas or to to do that or to live that way. But God's promise is if we will teach them, they will, when they are old, they will not depart from it. And so even if there is a time that they go down a path that we're not pleased with, that we did not teach them that way, they will come back at some point. I have seen that in my family with my nine siblings. I have seen that. So according to God, then he's saying, and this would be a question that I would pose in a cottage meeting, who is responsible and accountable for the education of this next generation? Obviously, God knew the power and the influence that a parent has over a child. And so he gives these commands in the scriptures. I mean, just think about how your parents taught you and what impact it had on you and your siblings in, on your faith and the way in which you value work or contribute to society. Um, Viv, Let's uh, uh, do our next slide. So I came across this picture. Sorry, you're getting a lot of pictures of my family. This is uh, uh, my mom and my dad before my dad left the home. And I just laughed when I saw this picture. I'm like, oh, we look like the hillbillies. <laughs> you know? we had, there were some grandkids there. I had older siblings that had moved out and were married there. And then I think we're even missing a couple of kids. Uh, I'm not even sure. But, you know, as I looked at that little picture of my mama, oh, she looks so tired there. And I think just in a year or two, my father was going to leave. Now, you know, my parents divorced when I was 14. I think I was about 12 in that picture. as a cute little chub there. But my mama, my parents were not perfect, but they, I always say my parents did the most important things, right? They got the most important things, right? We prayed together. They taught us from the Bible. We went to church together. I remember my parents reading, they were newspaper readers and book readers. They read us the classics. My parents uh, would talk about current events. We had those kind of discussions. They always voted. They always watched those national conventions right before the elections and would talk about who were the best candidates. They, they gave blood, they volunteered in the community and in the church uh, setting. So even in that struggling marriage that would end in divorce after 26 years they understood their god-given responsibility to lead and guide as children as best as they could spiritually and educationally and, and in the community and and to give my mama particularly what little excess that we had Viv, can I see the next slide? In the 5,000-year leap, I love these principles. I'm excited to be able to teach you these principles in the spring. They will be your best friends. If you can understand and memorize these principles, you will always be powerful and speak with authority. So this 26th principle, this is one of my favorite principles, says that the core unit that determines the strength of any society is the family. Therefore, the government should foster and protect its integrity our founding fathers understood this principle so well they knew if you had strong families you would have strong societies and if you had strong societies you would have a strong nation and they needed to do to to do everything they could to encourage parents to rise up and to and to have strong families There's beautiful writing in this chapter on the 26th principle about marriage. I really would recommend reading uh, this 26th principle in the 5000 year Leap book. So our our founders studied some of the ancient thinkers, and John Locke was one of the greatest philosophers born in 1632 in England and uh, an Enlightenment thinker. And he was uh, widely studied and quoted by our founding fathers. And John Locke, let's see that next slide. He said in the 5,000 year leap under this 26th principle, anyways, John Locke said the nourishment and education of children, of their children is a charge so incumbent on parents for their children's good that nothing can absolve them from taking care of it. Now our founding fathers understood that the state should not interfere with legitimate family relations and that the authority of the parent over the child was based on natural law law found in holy writ. Um, So you could ask a question you could ask in a cottage meeting and and when I film these, I'm getting ready, I'm writing these scripts and, and I will film these scripts for these 12 lessons in Chicago in two weeks. And I, uh, all these questions that I, I ask will, will be um, in the cottage meeting manual. And, and these will be the questions that you could watch me teach the 30-minute lesson and then the questions which you could facilitate uh, for discussion in your cottage meeting. But the question could be asked, are, are we seeing the governments trespass the boundaries um, and interfere with the authority of parents today in the school systems? And that would be probably a lively discussion because we're probably seeing a lot of instances of that going on. Principle 23, let's see the next slide. Thanks, Viv. here. Uh, Principle 23 says a free society cannot survive as a republic without a broad program of general education. Now, does that mean that our founders thought that the government should pay for a college for everyone? No, that's not what this principle means. Uh, This principle states... uh, uh, that they understood in order for people to uh, be good citizens and to be able to maintain a society, a free society, they had to be educated in basic topics. So there was a movement for universal education in New England, just like 20 years after the the um, uh, pilgrims landed in 1620. Well, in 1647, the legislature. The legislature of Massachusetts required every community of of 50 families set up a free public grammar school to teach the fundamentals of reading, writing, arithmetic, history, geography, and the Bible. John Adams, our second president of our country, spent many years as a diplomat over in France and he commented that out of the 24 million uh, inhabitants of France, only a half a million could read or write. Now our fa- founders knew that liberty could not be preserved without a general knowledge amongst the people so that they could go on to become well-informed citizens through diligent self-study. So you know, no doubt that is what our founding fathers did because they could read and they could write They were well-read men and they were often reading out of the same books, the Bible and these ancient uh, or uh, uh, enlightened thinkers and philosophers of the past. And I think because they were all reading books uh, uh, that were similar, they were able to come to a general consensus during that constitutional convention when they were going back and forth, but they were all had the understanding of these principles contained in holy writ in the Bible. And, and um, you know, writers such as Cicero or, or um, Algernon, Sidney and Locke and, uh, oh, there's so many of them, Fisk and so forth. So even though our founders had a limited formal education, they all could read and write and then they studied on their own. So one of the successes at this time in, the, in these schools that, that were set up early on in the history of our country, was uh, in order to, you know, for everyone to have this broad educational experience, they all had carefully selected highly conscientious people to serve. Get this on local school committees that were to supervise their public schools to make sure that the children were being taught what the parents wanted to be taught. So our, our founders understood that concept. And this is principle 21 of the 5,000 year leap. Now, see how I'm just reeling off these principles. When you know these principles, when you speak to people, you, you can spew the principle. And it, it instantly gives you a greater impact and strength in your argument because you're speaking truth. Now, our founders understood that strong local self-government, principle 21, was the keystone to preserving human freedom, all right? So through these school boards, they knew that this is how the rights of the parents could be maintained because they were monitoring these school boards and and making sure that, uh, that these schools were teaching what the parents wanted. And they, they part, not only monitoring, they were participating. <laughs> they were part of those highly conscientious people sitting on those boards. So when you understand this, mamas, how might this principle of strong local self-government inspire you to want to engage at the local level in your school boards or city councils or commissions? And is the curriculum in schools today aligned with what our founding fathers considered a broad education to ensure a free society. I mean, it almost seems like the curriculum our kids are being taught today is leading them right down the road to bondage and to socialism and to atheism. How did this happen? Maybe we fell asleep on the job. We weren't engaged at the local level to make sure that this wasn't being infiltrated into our, in, into our uh, school systems. Let's see the next slide. In the wonderful book, The Promises of the Constitution, this 5,000-year leap and this Promises of the Constitution are books that I've used for years as I taught my children. I love The Promises of the Constitution because they're just short one-and-a-half page vignettes. You can just read a vignette a day. But this uh, uh, vignette 7-8 talks about the separation of church and state and how that statement that Thomas Jefferson made in the, in the 1800s when he was the president, I think it was 1802, how that has been distorted. And, and, and 150 years later, the courts use that statement that Jefferson gave to a letter that some citizens in Connecticut wrote to him, wanting him the president to weigh in on what kind of religion, what kind of state religion that the state of Connecticut should have. And he said, oh no, there should be a separation of uh, the federal government and religion. You people in Connecticut, you figure out how you wanna do God and and, what religions you want to worship. And if you want a state of Connecticut uh, religion, then you figure it out. I'm not going to tell you, there should be a separation of federal government and church. Well, what the courts did, they took that statement, distorted it, and 150 years later, they used that statement as a means of um, uh, pulling the prayer out of school and pulling Bible reading and that kind of thing. And that is completely opposite of what our founding fathers intended. Uh, they, they, they specifically said in the Northwest Ordinance, and it talks about this in Vignette, Seven, eight, that they wanted religion and morality taught along with knowledge because they knew that religion and morality and knowledge were necessary uh, to good government and the happiness of mankind, and that and the schools and the means of education should be encouraged forever to be taught these things. That is actually the language in the Northwest Ordinance, they knew that morality and religion were to be, had to be an integral part of school curriculum. And it was for the first hundred years of our country and how we prospered under those things being taught to our children. So my husband teaches in our little family devotional uh, and I've heard him for years. This is just an example. You've seen this one before. This was at the beach this summer. Um, But I've heard him say this to my kids for years. You're not as smart when you don't have the spirit of God with you. You don't make as good decisions because you take counsel from your fears and you listen to uninspired sources for uh, suggestions and recommendations. He says, you don't learn or remember things as well when you're not asking God for help. And I believe that's what we began to see when we pulled God out of the school systems. I mean, we not only saw a decline in the last you know, uh, three, four, five, six decades, we've seen a decline in morality and virtue, a decline in patriotism the young people are not feeling. And we've actually literally seen a decline in our national test scores when we took God out of schools, when kids didn't start the day off in the classroom praying that they would do well on their tests. Our founding fathers knew a free society could not be maintained without a foundation of right and wrong and good and evil. So if you were to compare the curriculum to today, to what was taught 100 years ago in the school systems, you could clearly see the impact of this modern curriculum today. Uh, As kids nowadays, I almost feel like it's indoctrination and I have to undo some of what my kids have learned in the school systems is they're being taught to be passive learners and really uh, to go along and do what they're told. Um, so in the supplemental material of our presentation today, let me see where we're, we're just cruising along here. It's called a mother's garden under uh, lesson number 12. And um, if, I'm not sure if you had a chance to read this little art- article, but it's by the president of Moms for America. She's a great little writer. so she writes a lot of uh, a lot of these articles in this um, resource guide, not a lot, but enough. And so she there's a little picture of a mother of Garden which she got a little gift for Mother's Day one year. It was a little pot, and then uh, the kids put little paper flowers with their little pictures in them. And she said, "I looked at that uh, a, a few years ago and I realized how much my children have grown." But she said, and I realized how much I've grown in this gardening process. She said, I uh, uh, would have to say the most valuable lesson that I have learned as she was looking back on how little her kids were 20 years ago when she received that little Mother's Day gift. She said, the most, one of the most valuable lessons I've learned is how important I am in my child's life. I have witnessed firsthand how important and critical my influence has been on their lives. And you know, she said that. I got that. Um, just the other day I turned 53. It was my birthday, January 3rd. Bib, let's see that next slide. And we have a little tradition in our family. So the kids write little homemade cards. And now my kids, you know, I've got adult kids, 26, almost 20 27, 24, 22. And um, as I read their little cards and we have a little breakfast and then everyone has to sit silently while I get my hanky out and I cry as I read their cards. You know, when they were little, their cards were cute. But as they're getting older, they say very meaningful things. The oldest girl said, mom, you're example to me of giving your best effort daily and help beauty in your desire to acquire truth and knowledge and serving others and participating in the community and church she's 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 thanking me for that and this is a little girl that sometimes pushed back a little bit on me on some of these things um, my 21 year old said mom you never shy away from what needs to be done I want to be just like you mom the way you raised us and the things you taught us in the home were pivotal to my growth now I have my 18 year old boy, he's getting ready when he graduates, he's going to take two years off and do a church mission. And he says in his little card, mom, I'm going to miss you terribly over the next two years. But as I serve the Lord, but I will be motivated and strengthened by you and your example. Now, this is a kid that just this very morning slipped out of the house early. So I wouldn't pray with him because he was late for uh, school cool so as I'm reading you this I don't want you to think oh my kids are just angelic they're not but I can see my years of trying to teach them even when they were falling asleep or trying to dodge or disagreeing with what I was saying that they're recognizing now as they go out in the world oh wow there was some wisdom to what went on and my little 14 year old she did a little handmade card And she's the one who I have a like a personal devotional with in the morning because she's the only one left, because the 18-year-old always leaves earlier. And she said, Thank you for the lessons and devotionals you taught me each morning. I love your devotion to God and to service. And this little girl, just this very morning, was a half an hour late getting down to breakfast in the devotional. And as a younger mom, I would have been mad that the kids were late, but I just was calm. We just went ahead and had a wonderful devotional and she was just late for school. Isn't it wonderful? As you get older, you just kind of mellow out on things that just aren't are quite as important. And then my little basketball boy was on the road and he, so he texted me. He said, mom, I get my light and my joy from you. I can't imagine a world without you. You're miraculous. And that boy who's 24, he, I swear, he slept through all of the devotionals. I wondered if anything I was teaching him was getting through So, you know, that is some of the thankless and invisible work that we do for years, mamas, that we teach these things, we teach them, we read the Bible with them, we teach them to love America, and sometimes we don't always know if it's sticking, and we just have to have faith. Kimberly, in this Mother's Garden article, she said she's been disheartened to see what children are being taught in the schools and in the classrooms, and you know they're not learning these principles or these stories of America. And instead of raising patriots, we're actually graduating future citizens who don't seem to have a, a love or respect for their country. But then she reminds us: look, if schools aren't teaching these things to our children. Uh, about our history and our heritage, we need to be the ones. If the media is not going to present truth, we need to present truth. Look, it's not the government's job to raise and to teach our children. The schools and the churches are to be supports and resources, but not replacements for the parents. And then she uses this analogy that she has throughout um, that book, Raising the Next Generation of Patriots, that garden analogy. Uh, of her experience of um, working in the garden and how hard it is to keep those weeds under control. And it it takes a lot of dedication to pulling those weeds so they don't overrun the garden. Viv, let's see the, um, you know, I'm so proud of my garden. I've I've shown you these pictures of a garden we planted a few years ago. There you go. Uh, Down in the country, we have an ancestral home. So when school was closed for a year, we go down, especially that first summer, we planted this beautiful garden and we spend like three or four days down in the country. It was about an hour outside of DC. And then we come back in, to the city for a few days. But by golly, every time I came back, even if it had been three or four days, there was like new weeds. I would spend hours out in that garden. And she said, we need to use the same skills and principles in weeding, uh, uh, that are Liberty Gardens, she calls it. When I started gardening and and began to um, uh, teaching her children, she said, and began to assess the influence in my children's life, I realized, okay, Viv, we can, can, um, there you go. She said, I realized one of the greatest threats to my little Liberty Garden were the schools that my kids were attending. I couldn't believe how many things our children were learning in school that were going directly against everything I wanted them to know and values. And so she said, I noticed that parents as that when they begin to wake up and go, wait a minute, my little Liberty garden is being overrun with the weeds from social media and from school and curriculums and, you know, TV and that kind of thing. She said, This is what I noticed parents begin to do. She said they either begin to go, I need to get more involved with the school. I need to, you know, get involved with the uh, parent teacher organization or help with curriculums or rewrite textbooks or volunteer in my kids' classroom, which is harder and harder to get into the classrooms anymore. Or parents just replace, they pull their kids out and they choose a private school or a charter school or homeschooling. Or And and maybe they do all some of these, all of them. Uh, uh, and lastly, she says they counteract, they 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 uh whatever the child is teaching, they teach the truth within the home to counteract what the kids are getting out in the world, so to speak. And and she said, it's been my experience that out of all three options. Um, the thing that is most valuable is the counteracting. It has been the most successful and effective tool in weeding our gardens and w- how you counteract what your kids are hearing out, you know, in the social medias and the schools is really, um, what you teach within the four walls of your home. Then let's see that next slide, which should be a, a, a picture of the devotional again. Um, yeah. So that devotional, I found, because I pulled my kids out of school, I homeschool, I send, you know, the baby goes to private school, but I still have to correct and counter what they are hearing in out the minute they leave my door, they begin to hear things that are contrary to what we believe. And, and I did that this very morning, my little girl, because uh, we go through the newspaper headlines, the 14 year old, and there's a, a story in the post that says a pandemic dip in births. And it talks about how there were fewer babies born uh, last year in America. and um, And my oldest girl just sent me an article yesterday how in Scotland, there was an increase in infant mortalities. Usually it's about two to four babies die in hundred thousand healthy babies, seemingly. There was 24 babies last year. And and, we, and so I told her that the post is making this seem like this was a positive spin. People just staying home didn't, you know, mommy, mommies and daddies didn't uh, decide to make babies or practice making babies. And she always was like, oh no, mom, is this gonna be a sex ed talk? But we talked about the reality is Scotland believes that there is a connection <laughs> to the vaccination because there was a much higher percentage of uh, women um, miscarrying as well in Scotland. Now that kind of information is not being allowed to be had. In fact, they're spinning it like, oh, pa- parents were just being responsible and didn't want to have babies during the pandemic. So I was able to have a discussion with her uh, in our little devotional today um, about what is the truth. Do you think we're getting the truth and how, how, you know, different countries are, are reporting on this. And so um, this is how I counter and I teach has been within this devotional setting, me and my husband through the years. So there's a a interesting story in this. um, Okay. The, in this mother's garden, um, about a religious leader that went and, and talked to a small congregation in another country behind the iron curtain. And he, as he met with this little congregation, he said, I know your children are being taught pernicious doctrines in their schools and by the captive press. Are you worried about what's happening to your children and the parents responded to this religious leader no because every night at home we mend the damaged reservoir each night we teach our children positive righteousness so that the false philosophies do not take hold I thought that was I I thought that was brilliant and has been my experience as I taught these kids And, you know, I have told you that as the kids leave the home and went out in the world a few years ago, as you know, some of my kids were in the universities and my one boy was just being pounded by the Black Lives Matters doctrine in the NBA. And they all came home a few years ago from the beach, just spouting things that were so contrary (laughs) to what they've been taught. And I just wanted to kill them. But me and my husband, we just kind of stayed the course and we and we just keep Kept teaching, and some of our discussions got a little heated and a little loud. But we just—I just kept teaching them and sending my little text devotionals, which maybe I'll show you in a minute. And those kids have all turned around, and uh, and are now. The, the biggest defenders of America and our constitutional freedoms. So the very first thing that the communists did when they raised the curtain to purge the country of religion and faith um, is they closed the churches and they outlawed worship. But the parents, because the parents shared in the faith, um, they didn't know what to do with the parent teaching counteracting within the four walls of the home. Now, Stalin said, uh, he said, education is a weapon whose effects depend on who holds it in his hands and at whom it is aimed. Hitler and um, Stalin were some of the most vicious destroyers of liberty and virtue. And Hitler, let's um, see that next slide, he used the same tactic uh, when forming the Hitler Youth Programme. And he would institute youth sports programs on Sundays. So the children couldn't go to church and be influenced there. And he had these extracurricular activities after school. So it kept these kids away from their homes longer and longer. And so uh, he could begin to teach them within the school settings. And, and so even though, um, uh hitler um highly frowned upon and even outlawed religions they 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 didn't necessarily close the churches but they stripped the churches of authority and influence and dictated what the churches could be taught so the kids went from reciting uh in their catholic schools the lord's prayer and and to the crucifix to it being replaced by a nazi flag and and the children reciting heil hitler And so Hitler alone, he said, he alone who owns the youth gains the future. Isn't that interesting? And in the Healing of America seminar, if you haven't been through them, I'd really recommend you will see how that began to happen here in America too, as these godless educational reformers, Horace Mann, John Dewey, do they sound familiar, began to infiltrate. They had to do it more cleverly and gradually, but we are living the results now of a um, a godless education in our school systems for the last several decades. And so, what is the what is the key? Uh, the key is um, uh, the two things that destroy liberty. Uh, this the two things that the destroyers of liberty fear the most are faith and parents. Okay, Bib. Um. And Hitler clearly understood and recognized this, that it was always more difficult to fight against faith than against knowledge. And Hitler's strategy was, this is what he said, make the lie big, make it simple, keep saying it, and eventually they will believe it. So our strategy as parents and grandparents need to be to teach the truth, teach it with love, reinforce it with stories and they will embrace it so you know the majority of my kids are going to be out of the home three out of the five don't even live at home anymore so you know i do a little daily devotional about four or five times a week in which i i I give them a quote because everything i'm teaching them in this text devotional they already know they already have heard it from me but i'm In order to counteract what my kids, my adult kids are getting, and even my kids at home get the text devotional, even though I give them an in-person devotional, me and my husband. But I'm teaching them the truth. I'm teaching it with love, and I'm reinforcing it with quotes and with stories. And I'm doing everything I can until my dying day to, to shore up and armor up these kids for their battles ahead. So this was just the little text devotional I I gave them yesterday. Counter the lure of the world by making time for the Lord in your life each and every day. Okay, that was a quote by Russell M. Nelson. And then I give them a scripture from the New Testament. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all things will be added unto you. And then I just tell them, my darling children, if you will put the Lord first in your life, everything else will fall into place. What goals have you made this year that will allow him to prevail more fully in your life? The lure of the world is strong unless you fight against it. It will pull you in and become your priority in your source of happiness, happiness, which is fleeting. But if you're anchored in the gospel of Jesus Christ, you will always have the faith, peace, heart, and vision to soar high. And then I just give a little uh, lowdown of what everyone is doing that day. And I say, it's so cold. And I just tell them what i what I was going to do that day. Love you. And then I send, I always send a few little pictures that day before uh, one of my little friends had made me a birthday um, lunch. And then let's see what else did I put Bib, Let's see the next slide. And then uh, on Monday, I took down all the decorations in the house and the, and the only thing left were some candy canes. And then I put a little, someone sent me a meme that I added to the devotional. And just like that, Santa is gone until next year, but Jesus is still here with gifts that never end. And that was my devotional for Tuesday. Now, um, I've been doing these little text devotionals for years when my kids began to leave the home, and I still felt like I needed to shore them up. And so that's just something I do. That's just something the spirit pricked my heart to do. Now, the spirit is going to prick your heart to do your, your heart to do different things to teach your children in ways that they will best receive it. But, you know, once again, God just wants to know that we're willing to do something to shore up our kids and to teach them, sorry, regardless of what age they are and to teach them principles of goodness. And oftentimes I, you know, I I told them when I I was doing some work with Moms for America so they could see, they can see by example uh, what mom and dad are doing. And so um, my dear uh, mamas, it's getting a little late and I don't want to keep you longer than I should. Um, Viv, let's go to the next slide. There's a wonderful article called Raising the Next Generation of Patriots. No, no, Raising George Washington. And it talks about the difference between what a politician is and, and someone that exercises their civic responsibility is. And what we want to do is we want to raise statesmen. We don't necessarily want to raise politicians because we know politicians will do and say whatever it takes to keep them in power. But someone who loves this country just internally knows they have a civic responsibility as a citizen to preserve the constitution and to be involved in the community and to safeguard the public and watch over the government. And so, you know, um, George Washington is such a beautiful example to me of a statesman he was really drafted into the service he didn't seek to be president he didn't want to even serve a second term but he knew that god needed him to, and he had to do his civic duty to ensure this new little country just be carefully shepherded along uh, when my husband ran for office in the state senate because i had been studying these principles of liberty through the cottage meetings I knew how people felt about George Washington. He was a statesman. So we sent out this little flyer and I said, Al is our George Washington. And then on the back, I write about extolling my husband's traits. But I say he just like George Washington, I say in this letter, was the first in the hearts of his countrymen. Al, my husband has proven to be the first in the hearts of his family and those that know him. And then I talk about how he reveres the the principles that our founding fathers gave us. And when you understand what motivated the founders, it helps you to craft your message and to speak with greater authority. And Good grief, my husband won and we were new to the community. He should not have won. But I think because I wrote a really heartfelt letter about him as a statesman, as a patriot, founded on these principles that this nation was founded on, it pricked the hearts of people. And this is what we want to do. We want to raise patriots that ultimately become statesmen. And so let's just go through some of those quotes quickly and then we will end our uh, little lesson. George Washington said, the best means of forming <laughs> a manly, virtuous, and happy people will be found in the right education of youth. Without this foundation, every other means, in my opinion, must fail. And Barbara Bush said, our success, let's go into Barbara, Does she look pretty there. God bless her. Our success as a society depends not on what happens in the White House, but what happens inside our house. That mamas, as we teach our children, that we look to God, not government, not a president uh, for answers and healing and deliverance. We look to God. We mothers are the hope of America. And what we build in our homes today will be the foundation for tomorrow. And, um, you know, I think that's why it's so urgent that, you know, that we teach our children these principles, these rising generations, we teach them to know how to defend and to understand what's in the constitution and to understand God's hand in establishing of America and, and what the constitution, our founders intended for it to be and how it has been changed and maligned and what we need to do to restore and repair parts of our country that have been broken. And we can't necessarily teach these things to our children if we don't know them. And this is why I so applaud you. (laughs) This is why you show up for these cottage meetings each week and, and might contemplate someday starting a cottage meeting or continuing to learn online. And so that will end our last lesson today. We're going to give you a couple weeks break and then we're going to start up, I believe, February 16th. uh, And we're going to have mamas begin to teach these lessons. Please come support each other. I promise you, you might learn more. (laughs) You know, you you, like can almost anticipate what I'm going to say, but to be able to be taught from the the viewpoint of a mama in Washington or in Texas or Illinois and, and her family, and maybe she is a mama of young children, or maybe she's a grandmother And so I think it's going to be such a valuable uh, experience to be able to be taught by the mamas around the country. Now, we will um, start those the middle of February. and, And we're doing that because we still have a live virtual cottage meeting going on every Thursday night. That's what me and my husband teach. 9.30 Eastern Standard Time, 6.30 Pacific Time. We have five more classes. And then those lessons will be done um, February 10th, and then February sixteenth, we will start our cottage meeting series during the day on Wednesdays. And Viv will send out information on all of this if you, if you're not quite capturing all the, the details I'm sharing here. But please join us for those last five virtu- uh, virtual cottage meetings on Thursday evening. We're, we're uh, going to have seminar three, four, the attacks on the role of America tomorrow. And then you will get in on the fourth seminar, and that is all about healing our homes, our school systems, our state, uh, healing the parts of the constitution that have been broken. And I love seminar four. It's so hopeful to be able, instead of just spewing problems and what you're against, spewing ideas and solutions on how to repair and restore uh, the things that made us great in America.